Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We're joined today by Michael Lafito, founder of the Marketing Luxury Group and creator of the Luxury Listing Specialist Certification. As a top-producing luxury real estate agent at Conlon Christie's International, with over 16 years of experience in the Chicago market, Michael and his team developed a comprehensive, proactive approach to marketing luxury homes. His luxury certification is available for continuing education credits for agents in certain states, and he's the author of Marketing Luxury, Sell Your Luxury Home in Any Market. Michael's creativity and think-outside-the-box approach make him one of the most sought-after experts on becoming a luxury agent. Now, let's welcome Michael to the call as we join our host, Tim Harris. So, Michael, thank you very much for being my co-host today. I really appreciate it. Luxury uh, is a lot of, you know, it's kind of the fantasy of everyone getting their real estate license. And in most markets, there is a luxury market, you know, depending on where you are. It could be luxury could be a million, or if you're in L.A. or Florida or, you know, New York, luxury could be 20 million. But everyone wants to get into the luxury space. Everyone has fantasies of those, you know, $300,000, dollars $600,000 commission checks. And I really appreciate you being my co-host today, and, and, and I'm looking forward to deep diving into some of the myths that agents have about really what it takes to be a luxury agent. So thanks for being my co-host today. Oh, you're welcome. I'm excited. Um, so first of all, uh, your book. Let's talk about that. And I think that's something that is – a book as it's on its own is a great way to position yourself in the marketplace uh, when going on. I mean, it's a killer listing tool. Your book has to be a killer listing tool, no? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a huge differentiator, right? I mean, none of my competition has written a book. Yeah, I mean, that's it. And so when people – so, guys, just start getting into the mindset of what it means to go after a luxury agent – or, I'm sorry, luxury properties. So, Michael, helpful listeners, we have, you know, 100,000 or so, but our regular listeners, help them understand what are the, like, maybe three to five key differentiators or key things that someone has to uh, learn before they can go from, say – being a, an a, a listing agent of most properties versus going into that upper echelon? Like, what, what is that bridge that they have to cross? What is it that they have to learn? Sure. That, that's a good point. And um, there's, there's not a simple answer to that, but what I can tell you, and I will answer your question, what I can tell you is um, there's a lot of misconceptions out there. So maybe I'll start with that. I mean, there's a lot of misconceptions out there that, you know, a real estate agent must be a top producer or been in the business X amount of years. In other words, a veteran agent before they can sell high-end homes or uh, that agent personally needs to be wealthy or they personally need to live in a large home or drive a certain car or, or be with a certain brand or a certain office. And, and those are all misconceptions, or I like to call them limiting beliefs about selling luxury homes. I just saw someone post something yesterday on Facebook about, you know, hey, my, my broker says I got to drive a certain car or whatever before I can break into that. And um, I, I would say false, 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 false to all that. 
Yeah, and you know what? I like you already based on every other things you just said because that's essentially mirroring what we said too. You don't need a secret handshake or know a secret code to start lux- uh, 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 selling luxury properties. And I remember um, during the last housing crash, uh, Valerie Fitzgerald, right? She's been a superstar for years. And I had her on the show, and she's been on different Bravo TV shows, just this elegant, you know, she's written a great book and just the whole thing. I mean, Valerie has all the boxes checked as far as a true superstar agent. And you mentioned the car thing. And I'll just, this is kind of funny. We're, so it's 2007, 2008. She's selling all these, you know, celebrity multi-million dollar properties in LA. And all of a sudden the market just goes, you know, flat lines. And I, I was interviewing her and, she, and we were talking about like the fact that for years she's been driving a Bentley and now she's thinking about driving a Prius, you know, not because she couldn't okay. still afford the Bentley, but because she right. realized that maybe in a market like that, it was more appropriate for her to sort of, you know, pull back on some of the glitz and glamour and to make sure. people more comfortable. So, so when you, yep. let, let's talk about that. You, you said doesn't matter on the car, doesn't matter if you're, you know, been in the business forever, doesn't matter if you didn't grow up with money. All these myths that people have about what it takes to sell luxury properties. How do you dispel that? Like, for example, obviously, if you grew up with it, if you know the people that are living in those little enclaves like Greenwich, Connecticut, and other places, that's an right. advantage. But you don't need those familial connections to to be successful selling properties. What are the strategies right. to get into those marketplaces without having those those organic connections? Sure. So, so I, I guess I would first say we're talking luxury real estate, and everyone defines that differently. But I, I talk about high-end and luxury. I, I do believe there's a calculated difference. So I define first off high-end as double, uh, two times whatever the market average sale price is for any given market. So if the average sale price is 350000 I would define high-end as 700000 and I would define luxury three times that number. So in this case, just over a million dollars. So, you know, some people define luxury as a million dollars, but if you're in Rochester, New York, a million, you know, million dollars might be a McMansion, and, and luxury starts at six hundred grand. So I first want to start out with, hey, we're talking about how can you make more money in real estate, and and I believe the simplest and easiest way is increase what your average sale price of a transaction is. And even if you're in some rural areas, there's still luxury. It might not be that that 10,000 square foot home with a 20 car garage, but but it might be a $600,000 home. So first off, I do believe that many agents think, well, I don't have luxury in Iowa or I don't have luxury in North Dakota. We're not just talking the Beverly Hills and the Miamis and, and the Greenwich, Connecticut that you're talking about. We're talking every marketplace has got higher end, and most marketplaces have luxury. And so the other thing that's interesting is a lot of folks have it in their minds. I was having a coaching call this morning, and one of, a great coaching call, a client named Howard in Florida. And he has his average sale price, is, I'm sure you've experienced this a lot too, Michael, with your speaking and your books and all the people you run across. Is he had it in his mind, he, he called, you know, on the coaching call, he mentioned this new listing that just expired that just came up. $1.4 million. It was listed with the agent who was the number one, you know, oceanfront agent. I mean, $1.4 in Florida sounds pretty cheap to me, but okay. So I've been through three right. different agents all together, and the last one was this big name, you know, coastal agent. And his average sale price is probably 350 And so he didn't realize – he was asking me all these questions, like he thought he had to have some sort of special strategy and all these little, you know, whatevers. And he didn't realize what he was actually doing was psyching himself out of calling it just because of the price point. And I tried to explain to him built that that $1.4 million – what did you say? I'm sorry? Built-in excuses, right? I mean, he, he's setting himself <laughs> exactly. up so if he doesn't get it, like he doesn't feel as bad. 
That's right. Yeah, exactly. And so, and but he was thinking that somehow that one point four million dollar seller, like almost spoke a different language than say his normal three hundred and fifty thousand dollar seller, where they do have maybe more experience buying and selling. Their needs, their fears, their wants, their desires—they're identical. So help the listeners understand that you don't. You know, you, you've made an excellent point of saying really anybody can focus on luxury if they choose to. Help us sell that to our listeners. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, that luxury seller, or I call him high net worth individual, still, you know, that dog, when he comes home from work, that dog still might have peed on the carpeting or pooped on the carpeting. He's got to clean it up. They're human beings. I mean, let's let's be real here. They're not, you know, human beings are human beings. And so what I tell people is, is be authentic. You know, you don't have to speak a certain language, dress a certain way. I mean, you got to be presentable and look the part, you know, and, and you know, look professional. Don't get me wrong. But... But you don't have to have a secret handshake. You don't have to be a part of a certain you know, fraternity or go to a certain Ivy League school. I mean, let's let's face it. A lot of these business owners are self-made millionaires. A lot of them, you know, have blue-collar industries. I have a client right now that's selling a seven half million dollar home, and they have a, 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 a cleaning industry. So when someone gets killed or dies in a property, they go in there and clean up the house and the blood and everything. And you know, he's got a seven and a half million dollar home, and his business partner's got a property on the market you know, that's close to that. And so, again, don't assume that, you know, they're Ivy Leaguers and, 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 and they're, you know, 32 on their ACT. I mean, they might be blue collar, but they, they, they're first generation wealth. So first off, and that's my first point is be authentic. You know, you don't have to speak a certain language, do a certain thing, um, you know, to do that. But the other aspect is I look at the, the gentleman you just talked about. Did, did you say his name was Howard? I did. Yep. Yeah, so Howard, like I would look at anything that he's probably telling himself that could be a negative. I would turn it into a positive. So in Howard's examples, hey, listen, you just hired Johnny Rockstar to, to sell your home. He was the third agent. Johnny's got a $10 million and a $20 million home. And, you know, for me, my average sweet point, I'm, 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 you know, I'm crushing it. I'm doing a great job in that three dollars to $600,000 price point. Our properties are selling quickly and faster for more money. I'm going to be hungry. So do you want to hire somebody that's, that's looking at a $1.4 million home as a great opportunity and I'm going to put your property top of mind awareness and really push it out there and be aggressive? Or do you want to hire somebody, you just had the top rock star agent who it was pro- practically out of sight, out of mind because he was focusing on the other high-end properties. So like if that was Howard's scenario, I would turn that into a positive. But if you were talking to Howard and Howard was a rock star agent and he needed help because his biggest objection was, man, you specialize in the five to 10 million. Why are you going to give my $800,000 the, the same price point? Because that's kind of the conversations that I have in my marketplace is, hey, we know you're successful, but are you going to give my lower priced home the same kind of uh, love, if you will, as your higher price point? So it's it, overcoming objections, articulating your value proposition is the same in any price point in any market. You said, I love everything you just said, and I 100% agree with you. And, guys, listen, he said two really important things. In every single market, now there are exceptions, I realize. If you're out, up east, you know, I keep on bringing up Greenwich as an example. There are definitely like third, fourth, fifth generation American families there that have generational wealth that right, right. So there, is, there are pockets like that around in the country. But for the most part, he just said it right. Most of the folks you're going to be talking with are going in these luxury homes are going to be people just like you. And if you're authentic to his point 
and you're hungry and you're you know they're going to gel with you because of the fact that you're an entrepreneur you guys are going to have more care, more things in common with most of the folks in your marketplaces with these more expensive homes than you actually think and the agents that were born into money do have fancy educations do have all that actually have less in common with a lot of the current owners of these properties because of the fact that they're going to have a certain sense of entitlement if not complacency i mean when julian and i i'm going to point this out um, Michael, you've only sold in a buyer's market, and that was Julie and I's experience as well when we sold real estate. And a lot of the listeners, <laughs> and I know you run across this as well, they have no yeah. clue what it's like to try to sell an expensive house in a buyer's market. So, I mean, yeah. that's where you really get good at skills when you have to work with sellers on price. So, yeah. I mean, we can pivot in a bunch of different directions here, but I'm sort of curious. When you go to meet with a seller and it's an expired listing – and it's been listed with that rock star agent before. And the obvious answer is price, condition, location. And no, they don't want to hear any of it. How do, you, how do you position that seller to understand that in a particular market, in a buyer's market, the days in the market might not be measured in days, but it actually could be measured in years? I mean, how do you help yeah. a seller understand that? Yeah, so you, you, you're talking specifically to managing a client's expectations ahead of time from day one, right? So you're setting yourself up not for failure, right? Because I just had this conversation today. I have a property that I'm marketing that's $18.9 million at the time. It was the highest-priced property in Illinois. And, again, we're a buyer's market, as, as you mentioned, in Chicagoland. We have more millionaires leaving the city of Chicago than anywhere else in, in the U.S. We're third behind Paris, first – it's first with more millionaires leaving. Rome is second. Chicago's third, and Athens is fourth. So, we're a buyer's market. I we're in a luxury lot, lockdown. There's two or three years of inventory. So last year wow. in Illinois, there were three single-family sales above five million. Three, and yet there's 67 on the market. So do the math. That's 22 oh. years of inventory. That's not good. And I personally okay, represent down. five Michael. properties. Michael, you just you just said a really important thing, and again, we have listeners of all different you know experience levels. Michael just said something about absorption rate. Tell them how you figure that out. Tell them what you just do them just do the math real quick so these guys can write it down. Yeah, so absorption rate is is, is really important. So you know, I I'm a big believer in um, you know keeping current matters and Steve Harney what he does. If, if any of your listeners mm -hmm. have heard of that gentleman. And he's got a great graphic where it breaks it down. you got to keep it simple, stupid, right? you got to keep it really – I use a lot of visuals, first off, in my presentations, a lot of visuals. I learned that from Steve Jobs in his presentation secrets. So on a listing appointment, I'll have a visual that, that talks about days on market and, and months of inventory. So to keep it real simple, when there's seven or more months of inventory, we call that a buyer's market. And we have 22 years of inventory in the $5 million price point. Now, so let's just keep it real simple. Let's just say in any given listener's marketplace, and this is a true story. I'm marketing a property right now in Highland Park, Illinois. It's it's just over $5.5 million. There were two sales last year in Highland Park above $4 million, two. But there's currently eight on the market. So do the math. Two sold last year, but there's eight on the market. So four years of inventory, right? Eight divided by two, four years of inventory. So anything above seven months of inventory is a buyer's market. So, so for the listeners, you really need to know our, 
you need to know what higher end properties start at in your marketplace as well as luxury. I define them differently, but you need to know if you're in a buyer's market or seller's market because Tim, you might be overall a seller's market. Things are selling multiple offers, but at some price point in every market, it becomes a buyer's market. So in Beverly Hills, that might be $8 million and above in Austin, Texas. That might be 1.1, but at some price point you go from a seller's market to a buyer's market. And if you're going on appointment for a higher end or luxury home, you need to manage your client's expectations because they might think, man, Austin's a hot market right now, man. I'm seeing stuff selling multiple offers. Well, Mr. Seller, you're right below, you know, at 800,000 and below, but you have a $3 million home and there's actually three years of inventory. And let me explain to you what that means. So you need to manage your expectations. Now, for the listeners out there, I use the term four P's. There's four P's when selling a property, price, property, person, and positioning. Okay, so price. Let's talk about that. If you're if, if a listener is listening today, Tim, and they don't have high end they don't have a high end listing, I would tell you do everything ethically to take your first high end listing and, and your first couple. And so ethically I'm saying, right? So do everything ethically. And so I talk about the four P's price. So if is a seller realistic on price? property is it a cool or unique property or the third is person are they are they likable are they realistic or are they a jerk <laughs> and, and number four positioning are they willing to listen to your expert opinion in other words you know that pink wallpaper and that brass you know the brass hardware all over and that shag carpeting if you think based again if they're in a buyer's market are they willing to take the recommendations that you have to position the home more effectively online and offline and staging is a part of that conversation as well and so what i Again, I'm in a position where I attract business so I can say no to clients. And so for me, a, a, a seller has to have three out of those four that I mentioned that have to be met for me to take them on. So if it's an amazing property, they're cool, and I like dealing with them, and they're willing to listen to me, but maybe they're a little overpriced, I would still consider working with them because that's three out of the four. But for any of those listeners that don't have high-end listings, I would tell you if it, if it doesn't meet one of them, take that listing because you're going to build your confidence, you're going to stub your toe, and we are in a show-and-tell industry. And i got to tell this story real quick um, Please. about show-and-tell show and tell so i have a son he's six years old he's in kindergarten my wife in october gets his backpack he's taking out his lunch pail and he notices my copper moscow mule mug if anyone knows about the drink moscow mule it's vodka it's, it's signature um uh, cup is a is a, is a is a brass cup a copper cup excuse me a copper mug and she's freaking out saying vince what's this he goes well it was show and tell today and i was supposed to bring something with the letter m so i brought daddy's moscow mule mug three m's here he thought he was doing something good, and we were worried that you know that we're going to get a call from DCFS. But luckily, we have a, he's got a great teacher. We were laughing about it. But I tell you that because if you think back to grade school and and show and tell day, Tim, when you and maybe your wife you brought something cool and you wanted to talk about it, it was your time to shine. That's what we're in. We are in the real estate business. We are in the visual industry. We are in the show and tell. 
you got to have amazing photos, amazing descriptions, great video if you use video, and you got to have great copywriting and, and get it out there to the right audience. And so remember that, whether it be a $300,000 home, an entry-level listing, we are in the show-and-tell industry. But, but getting back to your original question, the four Ps, you got to manage your client's expectations from day one. Absolutely, and I think that's fantastic. And so, for example, if you're having a conversation with someone, you're explaining to them there's four years of inventory that's for sale, the follow-up conversation would probably depend on their motivation. If they want to sell right away, then you talk to them. I'm, I'm sure it would be deep diving into their price. If they're not really truly motivated or if they have the ability to sustain the house, maybe it's while well, it's vacant and they've moved out of state or whatever, you know, depending on their motivation, that's how receptive they're going to be to you know, repositioning the house on the market to, so they correctly reflect the buyer's expectations. And, guys, that's the classy way of saying lower your price. So, but let's yeah. talk about that. And this, this is something that every high-end agent – well, okay, there's two things I wrote down from what you just said. It was great. I love it. Thank you for being so honest and, and helping our listeners. Um, when you run – it's common in your marketplace, as it was in our marketplace when Julie and I were selling luxury real estate in New Albany Country Club area, towards the end of our you – know, before we transitioned full-time into coaching back in the late 90s, there was a decrease in value. So it was normal to go on a, a listing presentation – where the owner of this you know, luxury property was losing money. They were either losing money, literally selling it for less than it was worth net, or because they'd done improvements, they were losing money. It sounds to me like in your marketplace, it, that's a normal thing, that where the owners of these properties are losing money, unless they've owned it, obviously, for decades. Is yep. that, how is that conversation – I mean, when you're having that conversation with, with sellers, is it, they're expecting it, aren't they? Or, or how often do you have to break the news to them? Well, that's a good that's a great question. So I don't assume that they're expecting it. So, so <laughs> uh, you got to have that conversation, right? And you got to educate them. So in my marketplace, it's about twenty percent cheaper to build that exact same home that they built ten. Wow. 10 years ago because land values are still down 30 to 40 percent versus the peak we peaked in september of 2006 in chicagoland so 10 years ago just 10 and a half years ago so land is still down 30 to 40 percent although building cost and materials you know lumber and and roofing etc that's gone up but builders are back in their historic norms in my marketplace of what they're making for profit so builders are now you know back making 10 to 12 to 15 percent profit back in the glory days when it was a seller's market okay when multiple offers they were making 25 30 percent profit so between their profit margins way down and land costs going way down again so i have to have that conversation with these sellers saying listen mr and mrs seller people would rather buy build today than buy existing Okay, unless there's, it's a compelling enough reason for them to buy your home. Sure, there's hidden costs when you're building landscaping, etc. But most people want to pick out their home the way it is. Your 10-year-old kitchen, in many eyes, might be dated today. So it's a difficult I conversation, mean, but you got to be transparent with people up front. You know, you got to let them but know. But isn't that there's like no magic pill? But, but Michael, isn't this what's making you such a successful agent because you're willing to have these uh, these difficult conversations with sellers in an elegant, understandable way that so many other agents, maybe even your you know well-heeled, well-experienced competitors, have telling a, a successful person that they're going to lose that this personal asset of theirs was actually a bad investment. I mean, that is a sometimes brutal conversation to have, especially if you're the first listing agent. Now, if you're the second or third listing agent and the market's already told them this, then it's a hell of a lot yeah. easier. 
but yeah. so this is something you know guys he said it perfectly know your market know where the pivot point is where it goes from like i know like out in la or i'll give you a better example in new york city the average sale price for a long time was increasing 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 and and, and you know frederick eckland i referred him a listing from one of our clients I don't get in the middle of the transactions, listeners. If you guys want to, you know, refer somebody you need me to help you find an agent to refer to, just email me. Now. So I sent this listing to Frederick. True story. And it was, I actually sent him two. One was for twenty million, and the other was for ten million. And he actually didn't want either one of them. He said, "Nope, I don't want them," because he knew that the days in the market, the absorption rate in those particular buildings was measured in years. That's how fast Manhattan uh, changed. And now, basically, if you want to be selling in Manhattan, you want to be two and a half million or less. It's such a huge change. Same thing happening in LA. Same thing happening, you know, across the country. So knowing how to have tough conversations with probably tough-minded, career-focused you know, driver types, knowing how to tell them that basically their price is probably not in alignment with the expectations of the market. Those are the things that make someone like Michael a true superstar. But so, Michael, can you give them a couple strategies on how to go about facing down the fact that in those upper end markets, the price that obviously the markets are changing, not everywhere, but most places, and then the yeah. sellers are going to have to start, you know, you understand, you know, where I'm go- we're, on, we're vibing. So, yeah. you, you know what yeah. I'm asking you to share with them. Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. So first off, I would always tell people, um, you know, don't quit your day job. In other words, if three to six hundred thousand is a sweet point, a sweet spot that's selling in your market, then just gradually, just like if you're talking to your Northern Trust or Northwest Mutual Financial Advisor, diversification in your portfolio. So as a real estate agent, you want to diversify your portfolio. So have some high-end, upper-end homes, but but also have some that pay the bills, right? I mean, you want to diversify, uh, but. But that those are the conversations, you know, that that you need to, need to ask yourself. And uh, so, you know, for the for the listeners, you know, some of these listeners are saying, well, wh- where do I find these? Where do these people hang out? I mean, let's be real here. It is difficult to get to break into that that high end marketplace with high net worth individuals. So, you know, is, is it okay if I give your listeners just one key no, bullet point on something they can implement yeah, yeah, for free? For I always yeah, want to get yeah, value. So. It. So, yes, so one of the things I'd recommend for anyone is, you know, you always hear of these B&I or these networking groups, et cetera. And, you know, one thing that you can do is you can be – the best way to get referrals is give the referrals. Be connectors of people, just like you did with the referral to New York that he rejected. But, but be a connector of people. So <laughs> Twice. bring value – you know, bring value to people. And uh, again, you got to know your analytics. Um, I do a lot of educational videos for buyers and sellers, and there's a lot of different things you can do to position yourself. But I think the easiest thing, if anyone's on a shoestring budget, is to put together like a luxury networking group. And so, you know, I was part of a chamber here locally um, in Hinsdale, Illinois. We, they had more million dollar sales than anywhere else in, in Illinois the past couple of years. And the chamber member said, hey, we want to start a networking networking group it meets weekly we, we're going to have a secretary somebody takes attendance this that and the other thing it's going to be at the chamber office which was kind of like a very boring office and i'm like whoa 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 way too much structure i can't commit to a weekly meeting at 7 a.m or whatever it was so i designed a luxury networking group what i think personally would would be attractive to business owners that cater to high net worth individuals so here it is we meet once a month we change locations we usually meet 4:30 to 6 
6.30 p.m. on a Thursday. Why Thursday? Because we usually have appetizers and finger food and maybe a beer and wine. And so, hey, anyone could look forward to Friday if they stay out a little late on a Thursday. So it's business owners that cater to high net worth individuals or influential people within that, right? So it might be somebody in the school board or the president uh, of a, an association in a gated community, and, and they know, like, who's thinking of buying or selling. And so, or it could be a business owner that caters to, you know, men's clothing line. It could be at the Ferrari dealership and, and the interior designer. And, of course, I'm the only real estate agent in the group, right? And you got a financial advisor and you got maybe a divorce attorney. And, and so we meet monthly. We meet nine to ten times a year. We usually take Chris, uh, December off because too many Christmas parties. And we definitely take July off and many times we take June off. So nine to ten times a year, you meet once a month and you change locations. I usually host it two times a year. Where do I host it? Not at my real estate office. I host it at one of my mansions because that's congruent with my message of what I do. And you start the group two hours, first half hour, just you kind of go around and introduce yourself, what you do, what your ideal client looks like. That's number two. Number three is uh, what sets you apart, what you do differently. Number four is What's really working in your business? So I might say, hey, video is really working in my business. Uh, you, if you're not interviewing clients, if you're not utilizing testimonials, if you're not doing Facebook Lives, you ought to be doing it. So I give away some tips and bring value to the group. And number four, and the last point is, hey, what's, what do I need help with or who do I need help uh, with an introduction to? Maybe I'm looking for a, a bank owner, a president of a bank that's a smaller, it's not a big chain bank. If anyone knows of a, a bank owner, please i'd love that introduction so again who you are what you do what sets you apart makes you different what's really working in your business and what you need help with or an introduction with and then you go around the group and that usually takes 45 minutes to an hour and then the last half hour it's just networking oh i want to go talk to that person because he knows somebody that i do and and so it's by invite only they got to check with you because you're the person that put the group together and that's the one thing I'd recommend to the listeners, something they could take away if they're looking to break into and sell high-end and luxury homes in their marketplace. It's tough to break in with these high net worth individuals, but you can get in with the influencers that cater to them, and you can do that on a $0 budget. Well, you just hit the nail on the head with regards to the networking because that truly is the most effective way to break into the networking or to the high-end groups. And there are a ton of them. I was thinking of Ben Salem out in L.A., and he just sold, like, uh, see, he's got a contract, a seven-point-something and a six-point-something, um, and a whole bunch less than that. And he gets almost – well, I, he'll kill me for saying it. Let's just leave it at networking groups, what you said. And then we've had a lot yep. of other people that will – you know, depending – if you're in Iowa, that B&I group might be really rock star, right? But if you're in a yep. more advanced group, you'll find that they're just like, you you know, in a perfect alignment in, in L.A. or New York or maybe Chicago. There'll be other, you know, groups of folks that are uh, – I'm trying to remember, Michael, what's the name of that group that's uh, a YPO? Okay, so when Julie and I were in Columbus, we started a branch of YPO, Young Presidents Organization, but the one we, uh, the one we started was Young Entrepreneurs uh, or, uh, Organization, YEO, or maybe it was the opposite, okay. I don't remember. But they, they've since been rebranded, but the point of it is, is that was a group that we helped found. It was an international group. They wanted to open up a chapter in Columbus, and in, in this group, as it expanded, all of them were successful, I'm sure, 
millionaire business owners. And that was a killer way for us to network inside of the community of the folks that we wanted to target selling real estate. So absolutely. And, you know, the, it, it, it's not something you can go in and buy. So postcards and all this other sort of glamour advertising and marketing, the upper end folks are going to rely on that personal referral, even at a higher level than a normal person. Um, they're really going to rely on that. They're not, they're not going to go to social or Facebook and ask for opinions on who they should be using. They're going to go to people that are like-minded peers and ask those people for their opinions. So, guys, look, I mean, we, we're out of time on today's show. Hopefully we've motivated you. I really like how uh, Michael was honest about the opportunity that the, Michael, or that the market presents. I love the fact that he was saying, don't quit your day job because that's so true. Um, but do dip your toes into it and, and you know, get that first yeah. listing. Do what he suggested and do whatever it takes to realize that when you're sitting across the table from that seller, and granted the table might be bigger, the ceiling might be taller, you know, the, the whole environment right. might be something that you're not comfortable with, um, but that's okay. Go for it anyway. So, Michael, anything you'd like to say as we round the bend on today's show? Yeah, no, you, you hit the nail on the head. And if you you know, if you have a limiting belief, bring Johnny Rockstar from your office on that first appointment with you. Maybe give him a piece yep. of the pie, but he might be able to secure it. And um, you know, that that's some of the things that we do. I mean, we help agents looking to do that. Yeah, I love it. So, guys, listen, um, absolutely positively look into your market, know your market, decide whether or not, I'll, you know, cautionary tales with Michael and I were just we're giving, being completely transparent and honest with you guys. Make sure you're understanding what you're up against. If, you're, if your market is, you know, I like how he gave you that formula of two and a half times the average sale price. There's luxury, then there's, you know, then there's a really high-end stuff. Look to see what your actual absorption rate is in your marketplace, and you might find that it's just not worth bothering with. You might find that just, you know, if you get a listing for a million dollars in your marketplace, it might sell overnight, or it might sell five years from now. So you need to decide where you want to be putting Absolutely. your energies and what's going to get you, you know, basically help put you in a position to help the most people make the most money. So, Michael, listen, I really appreciate you being my co-host today. I Hopefully our listeners learned a lot. And, guys, you can learn more about the luxury de- uh, designation that Michael offers. What's the website for that, Michael? Yeah, LuxuryListingSpecialist.com, LuxuryListingSpecialist.com. All right, cool. Have a wonderful day, Michael. Thank you very much. Listeners, if you ever need to get a hold of me, Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. And you guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the radio tomorrow. Michael, thank you very much. Thank you. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at TimAndJulieHarris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.